When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello, and welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we tackle your etiquette questions about sharing cakes, mic lists at rehearsal dinners, how to both host and participate in a pool party, and how to announce an elopement. Plus your most excellent feedback, two etiquette salutes for the week, and a postscript segment on wedding websites. Coming up... Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Your little baby snuggled me yesterday. She did? I mean, how cute was that? Sorry, we're going to gush for half a second. Anisha came in with Pooch to the office. No, Anisha came in on her own. She's driving now. It feels that way. Yeah, after a quick diaper change, Pooch passed her off to me and I was holding her and all of a sudden she just buries her head like she was on my right side and she just buries her head into the left of my chest and I was like, I love you too. <laughs> like it was so magical. It's but. my new favorite thing. She actually like clutches at you and holds back and she's growing up so fast. <laughs> All right. Thank you for indulging our gush. What's what's going on? What's happening in your life? I'm thinking about my brother. Mm-hmm. I often think about my brother when I think about raising kids because he's a little ahead of me yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He often says you're, you're approaching the end of the houseplant phase where, where they actually start to interact a little bit. But I'm also particularly thinking of him because his wife is going to visit her sister who's got a new baby. And my parents are leaving on their annual summer long-distance bike ride. They're heading up to northern Canada for oh a couple goodness, weeks. That's... So my brother is going to be flying solo with his two daughters. Oh and I'm preparing myself to play some of the support role that sometimes my parents play okay. for him. And it's a little etiquette moment in my life because I'm trying to anticipate and I'm trying to make myself available and let him know that I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Wait, aren't you also trying to be the older brother who finally has the kids so he can help out and be like, you could be back in the position of like, I know what's going on. I'm here to help. Not like, oh my gosh, teach me your ways, young brother. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just that I appreciate more what it means to be alone with two small kids. Totally. Totally. He is a great dad. He could do it on his own, but I just want him to know that there's someone there if someone needs a pickup or if he's just having difficulty juggling managing those schedules. I love it. What good what good family etiquette you have, Daniel. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm really trying. <laughs> that is awesome. I've got nothing major to report. I've had like some good dinners with friends over the past few nights. I actually did redo one of my Blue Apron meals recently and was like thrilled. My friend and I were stoked about it. You told um, me about this recipe. Yeah, that was the saffron risotto, um, the tomato saffron risotto risotto and we did like a little mescaline green salad with just olive oil, lemon juice, 
and salt and then maybe a little Parmesan cheese or something like that. But I keep it really, really simple. I love, love summer eating. The food sounds good and the, the horizon of no plans sounds good. It's so great. It's And I love the casual, like, friends just come on by. You have one friend over. You make a nice meal together. You enjoy a good summer evening. It's like I love casual, really relaxed summer entertaining like that. Lazy, long days of summer. Here I come. Hooray. Well, maybe we shouldn't be quite so lazy. Should we get to some questions? We probably should. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is so pleased to be answering your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want it on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is titled Half-Baked. Dear AE Team, I want to thank everyone who makes this show possible. Lizzie, Dan, Uncle Bill, Peter, and guests like John Besh from your first Thanksgiving episode. Just so you know, this was written before Cindy joined us, so I'm sure Cindy would be included too. Plus, all of you who produce, answer phones, help with ideas in the office, and others whose names I don't know, you all make a difference and I appreciate your work. Thank you. It's a much smaller team than you would imagine, but <laughs> we appreciate the recognition. It makes me realize what a big team it is when you see it all listed out. No, that's true. That's true. We don't have we don't have people like answering phones or producing, but you know, ideas in the office. Mom and dad come up with some ideas every now and again. All right. On to the question. I enjoy baking once in a while. My household consists of a husband who doesn't eat sweets very often, two busy teenagers ready to leave the nest, and one dog who should not eat pie and cake. This leaves me to enjoy most of the cake. 
I'm a big girl, but the fact is I'm not going to eat the whole thing. I'm going to have a slice today, maybe a couple tomorrow, and some on another day. Then half a cake goes stale and gets thrown away. Yes! Can I give half a cake to someone? Obviously, if I were baking as a gift, I would give the whole item. My nearest friend is about an hour's drive. There's no place to start a weekly swap. And I don't want the responsibility of doing this regularly. But when I feel like baking, can I give half a cake to the neighbor we don't know well? Can I send half a pie to work with my husband for his small office or with my kids when they visit friends? Is it crass to give part of something that was obviously whole at one time? Please help. It makes me queasy to toss all these goodies, though better than eating it all. How can I go about saying, I'm giving this to you because otherwise I'd throw it away, without actually saying that to someone? Thanks so much for all you do. Sincerely. And I renamed our writer Lorna Doomed. Oh. <laughs> um, I just want to note, she says, other titles I tried before I chose Half-Baked for your amusement or use, should you want it, or I loved... Moron cutting the cake, and she wrote it moron, like M-O-R-O-N, instead of more on cutting the cake. Clever. As well as progressively picky partial pastry problems and sliced and diced, but still nice, question mark. I just loved all of it. I couldn't choose, so I stuck with half-baked and added Lorna doomed. I'm just saying, podcast hosts love cake. You want to send cake our way, we will happily take it. I'm just saying, I love cake. Put me on that on list, that list too. also. I'd take half, take half a cake. This is definitely a little bit reminding me of that partial pastry question that we yes. dealt with a couple weeks ago. Absolutely. Is it rude to offer someone half of something? Would you cut up the pastries beforehand? Would you cut one up in front of you? What about if you baked it yourself? Yeah. What about if it's going to go to waste? Right. right. Where is that line? And, you know, so much of etiquette is about thinking about the other person. How do you know how the other person's going to view it? I'm a scrounger. I'm a scrapper. I love taking people's leftovers and things like that. I know people who aren't so much in that category where it's like, no, that's kind of your half-eaten food. I'm not into it, but thank you. And there's nothing wrong with either attitude. (laughs) So what do you do? Well, you don't want people to feel like they're getting your leftovers. That's for sure, right? I really agree with that one. And I feel the self-awareness and how this question is asked, that you don't want to present something as if you've done something for someone when clearly you haven't entirely (laughs) done it for them. Someone has the other half of this cake, whether it's you or someone else. And so that's very explicit. Yeah. And having an awareness of that as part of the situation, I think is a big part to having it received well. But I also don't think that you'd want to let it go to waste. No. And you actually wrote a really good point in our show notes here that there's nothing wrong with perfectly good cake that is divided before the serious eating begins. So like maybe not once you've cut like four slices out, but instead like intentionally divide that sucker in half and then, you know, and then give it to the person. I think that's part of the way towards getting to good advice about how to do it. That okay. You don't want it to be a crummy mess. You don't right. want it to obviously have individual pieces I like cut out of it. I like the intentional part of it. Okay. Here's my advice. Here's my like my idea. What if you bake your, your normal cake, let's say you're baking a round cake, and as soon as it's out of the oven and you've got that like layer of frosting or icing between the two layers, because why wouldn't you make a layer cake? Slice the cake in half, and then ice and frost both have separately. So now you have half a cake that looks fully finished that you could give to the office or to that neighbor or to really anybody. I had some first wave advice that was in that same territory. Oh, would you? Would you? Think think about baking cookies or get some individual tort size pie tins. I love little pie and cake tins. So much fun to use. 
clearly this person is more experienced baker than I am. And yeah. I'm sure that there are some situations where you're baking a pie or a layered cake or something that it's difficult to make it appear like half is the whole. Oh, you can make a mini pie, though. <laughs> you can. But if I was dealing with that half yeah. item yeah. and if for whatever reason it's. This is just the way it is. Not You're having practical. The thing. Exactly. Okay, the recipe it. is not half recipe, but whole recipe that's then half. And you don't have the baking stuff to make minis. I just make part of my offer aware of that situation. Oh my gosh, maybe you call first or something. Would you, could you, do you want to help me out and take half of this cake? I love it. Acknowledge the half cake. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Give someone the option of the half cake or the half pie. Say, like, would you like this? I love that, Dan. You ask permission. You invite them into it rather than dump it on them and let them make a, a personal decision. Because it gives the person the chance to say, oh, no, thanks so much if they're not the type of person who would want to engage. Or oh, if you're like me and you love those those scraps, you're like, yes, please, I would love half your pie. In the question, we hear mention kids who are coming over for a visit who might bring this treat home with them or the treat being sent into the office. I say give the people the information that you often sometimes make more than you can eat and that you've set this aside and you're hoping to share it with someone who would enjoy it. And you give someone the opportunity of saying, boy, I would love that. I I think personally have received half banana bread from someone who used to work with us on a Virginia. not infrequent basis. Virginia made really good banana bread. Yum. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You ask someone's buy-in, basically. You kind of a little bit get their permission or you let them know the situation and let them make a choice before you just impose the treat upon them. I think a little good humor. Yes. Help something like that land well. And you're going to be in great shape. Waste not, want not. Share the joy of baking with those around you. Lorna, no longer doomed. We hope that helps. You have a couple different options for how to handle the half pies and cakes coming out of your kitchen. Keep them coming. Our next question is called Mike List. I'm the mother of the groom. He and his fiance have a lot of groomsmen and bridesmaids. They each have been in at least 16 weddings apiece. That's a lot. Our rehearsal dinner will have about 100 people attend. We also have a band. My question is the speeches. I would like to have just a handful of speeches. The couple wants to let anyone that wants to speak, speak. I do not want it to get out of control, boring, or just too long. How should I handle this? Mother of the groom. Oh my goodness, speeches and toasts. Congratulations <laughs> on well, yes, congratulations. a coming wedding. But speeches and toasts, you're right to be nervous. These can get ugly and weird or like way too focused on the person giving its relationship to like one part of the couple and not the couple. It can get awkward fast. Or just long. Right? So typically, we think of speeches and toasts at the reception. And traditionally, the best man starts everything off. And if he's the only one to give a toast, that's totally fine. If he's not a good toasting person, maybe it's the father of one of the couple. Maybe it's the mother. I mean, you can have anybody. But really, there's kind of like one toast is all you really need. Beyond that, it's up to you. But this isn't happening at the reception. No, this is the rehearsal dinner. And it's a big rehearsal dinner. But it's a big rehearsal dinner. It's clearly tied into this wedding in a big way. Yeah. And I think that there are some some rules that whether it's a reception or a rehearsal dinner or any event where there's going to be toasting that can really help. And one of the things that I'm thinking about is you're in good shape to talk to your son about this. I'm guessing a co-host of this event, even if you're not a co-host of this event, you're involved in this wedding yeah. and in the spirit <laughs> of wanting to help him 
motherly concern is always a good thing around big events like this. And your son is well served by some (laughs) good and timely advice from his mother in this particular situation. From an etiquette standpoint or perspective, you are not obligated to include anybody in a situation like this. It's very generous. It's very um, welcoming and and exuberant to want to open up the mic and give anyone the opportunity. And I like the way Lizzie refers to the rehearsal dinner as a a more intimate affair, a place where oftentimes it's the, the perfect and appropriate moment to do that, to let those speeches and toasts get a little teary and sentimental. It's, it's, it's oftentimes an intimate gathering. But by the time that mic has gone from one person to five people, you can be pushing that territory of over a half an hour. So I, I think with the number of people that you've got in hand, I would talk about my concerns, but I would also come to that conversation with prepared with some solutions. And I think some of those solutions might look like this. Encourage your son to think about a mic list. Yes. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yes. An, an order of events. That that open mic option is is a nice thought. But I also would put on the table the idea that with this number of people having it planned out and you could open up that option ahead of time. Ask him to make that ask to his friends and close associates ahead of time <laughs> and, and put that mic yeah. list together. No, and yeah. if someone really wants to give a toast, you can figure out a way to give them that opportunity, but have some idea of what that's going to look like before you just cede that control. And this particular rehearsal dinner, you've got a 100 guests and you have a band. So there is going to be a little more orchestration to it than a typical rehearsal dinner that's only like 20 people large. And it's okay for that orchestration to be put in place. Maybe you designate an MC, maybe it's the band leader, maybe it's you and your fiance, who knows. But yeah, create the mic list and get into the hands of the person in charge. Part of your job is to create and maintain that flow and a DJ or MC for the night is a great way to do it. That's what we did at my wedding. Yes. And it was Pooja's sister and my best, best friend. And neither of them really wanted to give toasts. (laughs) But the role that was perfect for them was to be in charge of passing that mic. And they knew about what was expected. The other thing you can do if your response to that offer to include people on that list is large. (laughs) You can give people a duration. You can say, we've got five toasts. I Two minutes a piece, one minute a piece. I was going to say five toasts, seven toasts, ten toasts, but I really wouldn't let it get into that territory if you can help it. Yeah. But really think about the amount of time you've got for the event and start to divvy it up. Let people know what their time frame is and do your best to hold them to it. If you're worried about the subject matter of the toast, <laughs> it's okay to tell people which topics you would really prefer they avoid completely if those exist. Or what areas of the couple's life you're hoping they might share some insight on or experience with. And I love that idea of keeping the focus on the couple. The the attention of someone toasting can wander and it can take the whole audience with them. I think that it's really nice to really try to keep the focus on the union of these two people. and yes. What we're here to celebrate, right? They say brevity is the soul of wit. <laughs> <laughs> Giving people a time limit and some topics that you really would like them to focus on shouldn't be too limiting. You can leave it more open than that if you like also, but it's okay to give that kind of direction. I would say don't go the route, however, of giving them a prepared speech. 
<laughs> no, because you want to you know what I mean. Please talk about how wonderful we are together. Here, let me give you words right out of my mouth. I know you don't want to go into that territory <laughs> no. either, and it can be really remarkable what people come up with. It really so is prepare lovely. to be surprised, prepare to be touched, prepare to be moved. Think about including as many people as you can, but do set the limits that are going to be respectful to everybody that's involved. Mother of the groom, we hope that with a little conversation with your son or possibly the couple together that you are going to just have a blast and totally enjoy the rehearsal dinner. Who, me? Asks Fred. Oh, no, I'm not much of a speech maker. Fred's smart enough to know that his talk will not interest everyone. Ironically, our next question is titled Short and Sweet. My son went to a justice of the peace and was married three months before we knew about it. Is there a tactful way to announce? I know, really short, really short, not even signed anything. Just <laughs> I want to announce it on a podcast. <laughs> this is a sending family tradition. Everyone really? in my father's family was married before a justice of the peace. Okay. And I always assumed this was how I would get married someday. And it didn't end up working out that way for me. But you, When you say justice of the peace, though, you don't mean a justice of the peace at like a big wedding reception. You mean just like down at City Hall. Kind exactly. Of thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents were married this way. Yes. They had a rolling reception. They went and got married on my mother's birthday and then toured around central Vermont visiting people that they knew, telling them that they had just gotten married. <laughs> So congratulations to your son. I also want to just take this moment just very personally to congratulate my cousin Annie, who was recently married to David in exactly this fashion. And the justice of the peace fashion. We knew it was coming, but the actual moment was a bit of a surprise to me. Totally. I was like, yay, way to go, Senning. Totally. And I just want to wish them the best as they start this next phase of life together. Absolutely. The fun thing about announcements are that they are just that, announcements. And it doesn't matter whether people have been invited to the wedding, whether there was a big ceremony or not. You get to announce things that happen in your life. And the most traditional form is to announce with uh, a paper mail out. You know, you just get a nice little announcement drawn up that says your names and the date you were married on. And you send that out and people will call you up and congratulate you. They have no obligation to send a gift. But it doesn't matter if you've eloped, if you have a tiny ceremony, if you have a private ceremony, if you have a destination wedding. I mean, just all of these Get things. Get married in Vegas. Who knows? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. If you've had a life event and you want to celebrate it, you get to send an announcement. Share the news. Exactly. It's also okay to have a party. It happens all the time. Yeah. My cousin Portia also married on vacation was so excited and was so pleased and wanted to share this with the family and had a had a little party. And it wasn't a big affair. It was a, a actually relatively small, intimate gathering at the farm that she grew up on. And I've heard about things bigger than that. Yeah. You know, we've seen it done a million different ways. But the, the biggest difference is that when it comes to that belated reception where no one was able to participate in the ceremony, that's the break where gifts are no longer an obligation or a really hard and fast tradition um, that guests bring. So that's that's really your big definer, sort of. After that, you could choose to do the reception and wear a white wedding dress or, you know, be in a tux. Whatever it is, you can really throw the party and have the party that you want. You just kind of recognize that all of these people were not here for that very special moment. So you don't then put the obligation of a gift and, and sort of that etiquette exchange upon the scenario. And the only way you're really going to create that expectation in a way that might be viewed as inappropriate would be to put a registry together. That would be really not 
great. Some people will feel inspired, will mm-hmm. just give you a gift because they feel yes. inspired to do so. And I would be prepared to receive that well. Yes. And I would be prepared to send my thank you notes, but I would absolutely not be expecting it. In fact, I would expect that it wouldn't happen generally. You would not suggest to anyone a registry? Maybe you want to have a few ideas in your mind if very close friends and family ask about gifts, but you would never, ever, ever prompt it. Because that gift isn't expected, you do have more latitude in terms of how you share the news. I received an email. From Cousin Annie, <laughs> Tell me, that went out to the family. What I really loved about the email was it included a bunch of pictures from oh, their that's day. Nice. So it personalized yeah. it a little bit. Their sons had officiated or had been present at the ceremony and had been just like a, a, a very small part of a very like small family ceremony. representative sort of, yeah, and, and participants. They were part of the pictures yeah. that were included in that email. It gave me a sense of the day. It yeah. gave me a sense of the celebration and the spirit that the whole affair was approached with. And I really appreciated it. But because it was just an announcement, getting it as an email, I thought worked. And I think that paper announcement would... It's the formal version. Is the formal version. Yeah. Announcements traditionally are going to be paper announcements, like we said earlier. You might include some photos from the day, if you have any, that you would send out. You could, however, go the other route. And you could... I mean, digital age, you were telling me about an announcement you received from your cousin Annie, and it was really nice. It was an email announcement, and it had photos from the day included, so you kind of got a sense for what happened and and who was there and everything. But I would say first I would look towards the traditional paper announcements, and I would make sure that I am calling or paper announcing to really close friends and family first. Then I might consider a larger blast email, and then I would consider social media. You kind of go like most personal or most formal to the most important people, and then you can tier it out using digital methods. This is 2017. Right. (laughs) And I think at some point that social media announcement becomes appropriate. Don't scoop yourself. Right. But definitely share the news. Have a party if you want. Congratulations on this marriage and your family. Well, I didn't tell Janie or anyone else that we were going to be married soon. I can't help it if the girls decided to give me a shower, but I know what it must look like to you, and I... Okay, baby, I'm sorry. I'm a brute. Dan, I love this next question because I don't think we've ever got it, and it made so much sense to me as soon as I read it. This question is called Pool Party Hosts Participate. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I've listened to every episode of your podcast, and I would like to congratulate you as you step out on your own. Thank you. My question is this. As summer is now in full swing, we are starting to host some pool parties and would like to know if we, my wife and I, as hosts, would be rude to partake in the swimming fun or should we skip the swimming as to be fully available to our guests? Thanks, Rick. It's a new question. It's a new question. We've never gotten this question, at least not that I know of. (laughs) And it's a classic twist on a hosting dilemma that is common. I want to enjoy my own party. Right. I want to participate. But wait, I still need to fix drinks and make sure people have everything they need and make sure the food is refreshed. And how do I do all of that and have fun in the pool playing pool volleyball? I'm aware of my hosting duties. (laughs) I think in some ways that you really participate well at your own party by participating a little bit, by enjoying yourself. So if this is a pool party, I don't think there is anything rude about getting in the pool and cannonball. (laughs) 
Oh, I love that. All right. Well, I think what's going to work here is that timing and planning are going to save your hosting skills and still allow you to cannonball and enjoy the festivities. I would suggest that prior to either of the hosts swimming or joining in in all the fun of the party, that all guests should have arrived and been greeted and treated or invited to enjoy games, drinks, food, anything that that this party has to offer. You always want to make sure that your hosts have had that extended invitation once they're in your home to enjoy everything, kind of know what's going on. Welcome, greet, introduce. Exactly. And I would say that once that's happened, I think you're in the clear. As long as the party's running smoothly, guest needs are met. If you are co-hosting, make sure you don't somehow inadvertently get into a very long game of, I don't know, Marco Polo, and then your host has been left frying in the sun, toiling away, and you're just having so much fun in that pool. You really want to switch on and off, though, who's having fun in the pool and who's hosting. I love that thinking about welcoming people. I think part of that welcome, you can start to anticipate and set yourself up for that moment of departure where you get to excuse yourself from those hosting duties. Although I don't even want to think about it that way because enjoying yourself and participating with your guest is part of your hosting duties. I agree. But tell people where those fresh towels are. And if there is a co-host who also wants to be in that pool with you, or if you're not in a situation where you can lean on them for the particular thing that might right. be happening during the middle of that party, enlist some aid. Make yeah. that part of your party planning. Get a friend who's willing to man the grill for you while you do that. And that can be part of your your thinking about how you set these these little soirees up. You can also, let's say you're hosting on your own and maybe you haven't asked that friend to man the grill, you can also talk to your guests while you're having fun. Say, hey, does anybody need anything? I'm going to tag out for a minute and then I'll be back, you know. But just check in with your guests. Make sure that they feel great. It sounds like you all have a great pool party scene going on and I think with just a little bit of communication and prep, you're going to be able to really enjoy that pool on these wonderful hot summer days as well as enjoy having all your friends and family there with you. Whenever any of the guests begin to lose interest in a game, the host should start a new game so fun together can continue. And of course, the guests have a part in this too. Thank you for your questions. There would be no show without you, and we so enjoy hearing from you. Send your next question, update, or comment to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message. We also love to hear your voice at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want it on the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And Emmy wrote in after a long road trip where she binge listened to Awesome Etiquette and had two thoughts for us. From episode 133, when the husband remains lying on the couch when a guest comes in. I agree that it is important to acknowledge guests in the home. However, it should never be a surprise to someone hoping to simply relax that someone new is in the house and should be welcomed. A half-hour-ish warning should be offered in case the husband would like to relocate to a more private part of the house or perk up with a cup of coffee. I know I would want some warning as well. I think if at all possible, the role of host should not be a surprise job. I like that thought. And we know that people drop by, so sometimes it's not always possible. But I love that idea of if you know someone's coming over and you know someone else in the house is trying to relax, give them a heads up. 
And if you're going to have that expectation of someone, it should be met with a courtesy on the other side. I like it. Emmy's other thought was from episode 147, where she said, backing out of the cabin weekend in any circumstance where you initially agreed to a group outing, but then decided to back out for personal reasons. I believe you are still on the hook for any financial commitment you previously made. It should not become the burden for the singular remaining couple or the remaining parties in any similar situation. If the couple decides to to excuse your financial burden, then you're in the clear. But if your personal discomfort is the reason for stepping out of a situation, you must maintain your initial promise on the financial end. I thought those were really good comments. Emmy, I think we might have someone to call for our next <laughs> guest host situation. I know, right? And we had this submission from Facebook regarding episode 141, where Peter Post shared with us the power of surprises when it comes to relationships. Anonymous writes, My husband and I love surprise. We often plan mystery dates. For me, and I'm sure for him, when an event he'd like emerges, or I discover a place we could go that he'd find neat, I tell him that I'm planning a mystery date, and eventually we find ourselves there. He does the same for me. It's pretty great from both sides, surprising and being surprised. Isn't that fun? I like that. Thank you so much for sending us your thoughts and updates, and please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment, where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's Postscript is about wedding websites. Oh, how useful they are. They are like one of these new trends that we at Emily Post love. How did we survive before this? I know. With most of the world now hip to the internet, this little beast, this wedding website, is a bride and grooms or groom and grooms or a bride and bride's wedding hub. Or guests. Or guests. Saving grace. These have (laughs) saved me. Getting off an airplane, rushing to a wedding. How am I going to get there? I don't have the invitation with me. Oh, I just look it up online. I love it. It can help in oh so many ways. So let's dive in and find out just how awesome wedding websites are. This material is covered in Emily Post Wedding Etiquette, the sixth edition. That's the one with the really lovely blue cover. White tulips. I love that cover. On pages 52 and 54. Let's start with what would you put on a wedding website? Well, you really want to think of your wedding website as your bulletin board for all things wedding that your guests may want to know. Logistics. Yeah, straight off the bat. (laughs) Really, a lot of guests, this is going to be their go-to. Yeah. It's the place people are going to refer back to. They're going to love receiving that written invitation in the mail, that, that paper invitation. But oftentimes, the place they're then going to go to look up the information (laughs) is online. So. You don't have to do it, but it's really helpful to put this information on a wedding website where people can find it anytime they've got a phone in their pocket. So that's dates and times of the wedding ceremony and reception, along with any other wedding weekend events that include all guests, like after party information, if you're doing a brunch the morning after the wedding, any logistical information about that. So time, location, specific directions. For instance, my parents' house, if you do Google that, the directions drop you off like quarter mile before the house. So pay attention to things, test things out, make sure that someone who knows nothing about the area could end up at the right spot at the right time. No piece of information is too small or too simple. Include it all. Full address, phone numbers for contacts, contacts the day of if someone gets lost, contacts at the venue destination or 
to someone's phone if the destination say, isn't going to be open, if yes. it's a summer season <laughs> or a weekend and their office won't be open or available. Be sure there's someone someone can contact. Include directions to the ceremony in PDF, printable formats, yes. as well as online formats. And the reception, too. It's a ceremony and reception, rehearsal, anything you need that for. I love the idea of having that printable PDF as an option for people. Any information about public transportation, local airports, anything particular or specific to the area that's going to be useful to guests, Absolutely. car rental services, even lodging. Oh, gosh, yeah, lodging. Give people options, links to hotels if you can. I mean, anything to make it easier because don't forget – Providing all of this information here means that as all these 150, 250, 75, however many people it is, guests start calling you or texting you or emailing you, you send them the link to the wedding website, point them to the page that it's on on your wedding website. So much easier than having to wash, rinse, repeat, spelling this information out for everyone. Keep working back in time and space. So the particulars for the day, but then that lodging information that people are going to book ahead of time, travel information that people might need that they're going to be booking ahead of time. As you continue to move back through time, registry information. Yes. Information about links to online registries, also to stores or places where you might have physical gift registries as well. You guys did a honey fund type thing. Anything like that is appropriate on this particular website. I would also say area maps and points of interest are really great. Sometimes being able to show people, hey, the ceremony is here. The reception is about 40 minutes away sometimes. I mean, sometimes there's a really big difference between some of the locations people will be at. Having that nice screenshot of a map is really helpful. Also, local restaurants, attractions that might be good. I remember at my sister's wedding, we told all the people who were coming with kids, hey, just so you know, there's a really great museum and farm nearby. Um, There's also a farm on the property that we're at. The kids can go, you know, look at the cows, pet the sheep. Providing that gives people a little bit of awareness of what they're going to be able to do during the downtime around the wedding that can sometimes occur. Also good to know about expectations for the events themselves. Yes. So include information about dress code. Yes. Attire that's going to be useful. We are going to be outside, so be careful about long heels or levels of formality that are going to be expected at different parts of the event. Absolutely. And even if you don't have a specific dress code, I find guests are always a little bit curious. And so just saying, you know, a nice summer cocktail dress or, you know, summer suit would be great. Giving them those kind of suggestions, even if it's not specifically black tie, is really helpful. One of the things I love is anytime you have special customs at a wedding or when you've got two different cultures or religions marrying, it's really nice to explain some of the things that you'll experience. The barat at your wedding was something that I was totally unfamiliar with. But because y'all described it, I was able to know what my family's obligation was to participate in this great event. And it was really cool. (laughs) The groom's family parades. Yes. (laughs) The groom's family in this particular case wasn't used to this particular tradition. So it was really important to share some information so that everyone could participate well. And you all did a really good job. Some of my favorite pictures from the wedding are from the barat. (laughs) Me too. You can also choose to do an electronic RSVP option um, just so that folks who maybe lost that reply card or they're just faster at doing things electronically have that option to go to the website and RSVP. You get that RSVP 
faster. It's not mandatory, but it's a good option. I would also say that I have experienced some wedding websites that have direct booking of the wedding location. I went to that wedding that was a summer camp wedding. Y'all hear me refer to that often. And you actually got to kind of pay for your cabin and your spot on the bus that would take us from New York City to Virginia. It was really great. It made a lot of sense. It made it really easy. I didn't feel like a hotel was trying to take advantage of me or something. It was just nice, clean, simple, all straight through that wedding website. So one of the other things that's really, really nice is a detailed schedule of events. Not just that the ceremony is at four and the reception starts at six, but there'll be cocktails from six to seven and then a sit-down dinner or a buffet dinner. You know, kind of let people know what's happening. This is a great place to do that. And finally... One of my favorite reminders, a warm, well-wishes thought for the guest, something that really shows appreciation for all your guests. People are going to make a lot of effort to be there. They're going to make a lot of effort to participate and participate well. And I think it's really nice to address that and to really acknowledge their participation as well. So there you have it. Wedding websites, amazing, amazing tools in our modern era. We love what they have done for communication between hosts and guests. And we hope that you feel confident setting up your wedding website. We really like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Our salute today begins, Dear Lizzie and Dan, I want to make an etiquette salute to my neighbors in Bellevue, Nebraska. After two tornadoes in the area, there was wind and hail damage to several trees in our area, in addition to losing power for two days. My neighbors helped each other remove and break down tree branches, brought back lunches for everyone, and shared generators. I feel lucky to have such thoughtful and generous neighbors. I have heard many similar stories shared in the news this week, and it is uplifting to hear about these kinds of actions during a difficult time. Best, Anne, and having experienced the kindness and generosity of neighbors after a hurricane that Mm -hmm. came through Vermont and really just was devastating in some communities. I You had no access to your house. You have a footbridge to get to your house. You had no access and your neighbors really came to help. Was blown away by how neighbors come together in times of need and really appreciate the spirit and sentiment of this salute. Thank you for sharing. Oh, and we had another salute that landed yesterday when Ms. Puja walked into our office and she told me that she had an etiquette salute she wanted to give. Puja let me know that yesterday she and Anisha and Cindy were in their car circling the hospital parking garage, as so many people do. We all know that feeling. And a gentleman was walking to his car and saw them circling. He signaled to them that he was on his way to his car and which car it was so they could go meet him over there. But then he got out and you know when someone does this, it's the best thing ever. They back out so that the other people circling and like kind of hovering for that spot don't jump in and take it from the person who's intended to have it. She said it just made the whole process so easy. Hospitals are complicated places with a lot of emotion. It's really nice when the parking lot isn't something that stresses you out. (laughs) This is so classic Pooja. She always gets the best parking spaces. (laughs) I'm used to pulling into a parking lot and I park in the back of the lot. She drives right up to the front and there's always a parking spot waiting for her up there. Or some nice person walking to to literally escort her to a new spot. (laughs) Not to minimize this really kind gesture, but my my lovely wife seems seems to find these little gems, particularly when she's looking for a parking space. (laughs) 
Well, that is our show for today. We certainly hope you have open parking spaces and kind neighbors in your life this week. We want to thank you all for listening. And we want to thank everyone who sent us something. Your participation really is what makes this show tick, and we so appreciate it. If you would like to send us questions, comments, or salutes, you can do so by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And please, help us out. Tell your friends and family about this show. Tell your annoying coworker who you'd like to brush up on their office etiquette about our show and consider getting them to subscribe it's free and maybe just maybe you'd like to post a review so that everyone can know just how great this awesome little etiquette show is our show is edited by chris albertine and as always we like to finish by saying thank thank you you, chris Chris. there is a pleasant well-mannered group of young people not like some